Reverend Carlo Jensen of the Canadian Reformed Church in Abbotsford has prepared this morning's sermon as, and has based it on Lord's Day 45, question and answer 116, which we will now read. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with a heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. After reading of the sermon, we will sing a response to hymn 63 to stanzas 5 and 6. Beloved brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ and guests, I'm pretty sure we're all convinced that prayer is essential to the life of a Christian. A person who never prays cannot be a Christian, right? True, we all have our own thoughts and experiences with this. There are those who favor spontaneous prayer, and there are those who stick to rigorous schedules when it comes to prayer. There are those who have difficulty praying, especially in public. And there are those to whom prayer comes easily. We may have our doubts concerning prayer. Why pray when God knows what we need before we even ask him? Does prayer work? Does God indeed answer prayer? A variety of thoughts and experiences. But all of us here, even the youngest children, realize that prayer is necessary. Prayer is necessary. Why? Why is prayer necessary? That's the question we are confronted with this morning as we turn in the instruction manual of the church to Lord's Day 45. Why is prayer necessary? We listen to God's word as summarized in our confession with this theme, you must pray. We'll look at this from two sides. Man does not pray automatically and God does not give automatically. Man does not pray automatically. The Catechism assumes that prayer is an obligation. Prayer is necessary. As it is an obligation, it connects to a command, you shall pray. That's how Lord's Day 44 closes. The preaching of the law drives us to prayer. The hearing of commandments leads to voicing petitions. The strict preaching of the law confronts us with our failures and drives us to seek forgiveness and renewal, has us pray for justification and sanctification. You shall pray. Is that needed? A command like that? Who doesn't pray? When there is need, people pray. When wildfires threaten a town, when a, a tornado rips a village apart, when a gunman causes havoc, when a child goes missing, you can be sure there will be prayer. We're praying, the victims will say to the news reporter. Our prayers are with you, authorities may say. Boys and girls, remember Jonah fleeing from God? And then there's this big storm. What did the sailors do? They prayed. All the sailors were afraid, we read in the Bible, and each cried to his own God. And then they go and wake Jonah up, because he's the only one not praying. Jonah 1, 5 through 6. Following a big disaster, churches fill. If there's need, people will pray. Do we really need to be told to pray? The law confronts us with our sins. Of course we'll pray. 
Actually, no. It's not a matter of course that people will pray. Man does not pray automatically. Yes, people will talk to God, but not every communication from man to God is prayer. I think of Cain, as his account is told in Genesis 4. Boys and girls, you'll know this story. Cain is jealous of Abel because the Lord God approved of him, and so Cain kills him. God then calls Cain to account and punishes him with exile. Cain is scared stiff, Genesis 4, verse 13. My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Is that a prayer? No, it is not. Yes, it is a request, a request for help. And God graciously graciously gives it too. Verse 15, God says, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. But this response does not make Cain's cry of despair a proper prayer. For Cain's concern was his own well-being. He was talking to God, not with God. In fact, there's an accusation hidden in Cain's words. By his fallen nature, man is a self-seeker. People are proud, striving to be independent. That's why man does not pray automatically. Cursing comes automatically, especially when we're out of our depth. By nature, we're inclined to throw accusations at God. But that's not prayer. Prayer is talking with God. It's communion with God. It's entrusting oneself to God's guidance and care. And by nature, we don't do that. We need to be told to do that. We need to be driven to prayer. Driven to prayer? The account we read from Daniel is a good illustration of this. Daniel has become an old man. He would have been in his midnight 80s. Daniel read his Bible faithfully, and one day he was reading in the prophecy of Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Then it strikes Daniel that those 70 years are almost over. It was 70 years ago that he, Daniel, left the promised land as an exile. And so he falls on his knees in front of the window facing west, where Jerusalem is, and prays. Through the reading of a prophecy, Daniel is driven to prayer. People do not pray automatically. They need to be driven to prayer. In Romans 1, we read why that is. When people are godless, God leaves them in their godlessness. Godless people do not think of God. Paul worded it this way, Since men did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a deprived mind. Romans 1 verse 28. And so people come to the point where they make their own gods. I'm not saying people don't think of God. They do, but only when it suits them. Only when they're having a tough time, people will, people will work away at something. And only when they come up short, don't know where to go, only then will they say, let's pray. But then God is not God as he is. People are in fact praying to something that seems God to them, but is not. God becomes a Santa Claus who gives you presents. He becomes the great doctor who can heal whatever ails you. He becomes the supreme Allah who orchestrates everything one does. And you're only a puppet in this world without responsibility. That's the depraved mind of which Roman 1 speaks. People have a wrong understanding of God. And thus, when they go to God, it goes wrong. By way of illustration, think of Israel in the desert. They heard God speak from the mountain. Moses had gone to meet 
with God on the mountain. He was gone for a long time. Israel felt they had lost contact with God, and so they made a calf, a golden calf, to connect them to God. They worshipped the calf, but it was not true worship, for it was not focused on God as, it, as he truly is. People do not pray automatically. There's a lot that has to happen before a person will pray. Prayer as an activity of man comes at the end of a long work of God. The Catechism refers to prayer as the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. The most important, and yet it's the last thing in the Catechism. Why? Because there is so much that has to happen before there can be prayer. Reflecting on this, I notice that Lord's Day 3 already makes mention of prayer. We were created to praise and glorify God. Praising and glorifying, that's part of prayer. But by our fallen nature, we are unable to praise and glorify God. We don't talk with God. Just think of Adam and Eve. When they had sinned, did they go looking for God? No, they were afraid and hid in the bushes. And when God comes and talks with them, were they polite and respectful? No, that woman, the snake, rather than pray, man accuses God. To be able to pray, to be able to praise and glorify God, we need the Christ. We need his work of atonement. We need to be reconciled to God. God has to be willing to receive us in our brokenness. And we need the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins, to make clear to us what the real issue is, to have us understand that we live not for ourselves, but for, but for God, and thus the, to drive us to prayer. Brothers and sisters, it's not about us. Life is about God. Cain's mistake was he was only concerned about himself, and God had an obligation to help him. God did help, but Cain did not understand. It was a gift of grace. The Babylonian exile happened because God's name had been dragged through the mud, and the liberation of Israel from exile would happen for the, for the glory of God's name. Daniel understood that. Listen again to the last words of his prayer. For your sake, O oh my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Do you understand, beloved, why prayer is a must? You must pray. You have to be told to pray. We don't pray automatically. When we pray according to our old nature, our prayers are a list of, I would like this and I would like that. God becomes a Santa Claus or the puppeteer who pulls the strings. No, in all of our prayers, we need to be focused on the glory of God's name. That is central to our prayer. In fact, at bottom, it's the only thing we pray for. And that makes prayer proper. Prayer is so important. We pray not to get what we want, but to ask God to do what he wants, to fulfill his will. Prayer is not like submitting a wish list to Santa Claus, nor is avoiding your own responsibility and having God do it all. Prayer is, saving, is saying to God, yours be the glory. A baby will cry when it is hungry. A person can scream and curse when he is in dire straits. But a person only prays once he has realized, not my honor is at stake, but God's. Prayer is a must. It is a command. For if we were not commanded, no one would pray. Our theme is, you must pray. We have just seen, man does not pray automatically. We will now consider the fact that God does not give automatically. 
The matter of the necessity of prayer can also be approached from another angle. Does prayer achieve anything? Since eternity, God has determined all things that will be. All things are so completed in his hand, we confess in Lord's Day 10, that without his will they cannot so much as move. Psalm 139 has us sing, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now imagine you are sick with some terrible affliction, cancer, or you've got a heart condition. You lie in the hospital bed and your thoughts turn to prayer. Lord, please, let me live. But God knows exactly how long you still have to live on earth. What if God doesn't want you to be there much longer? And so we add, not mine, but your will be done. And then one day, one may well think, why do I bother to pray? Why not just limit our prayers to your will be done and forget the rest? If everything has been predetermined by the eternal counsel and will of God, why is prayer necessary? Indeed, is prayer not dishonoring God, an attempt on the part of man to get God to change his mind? We can put the question to the passage we read from Scripture, Daniel 9. What was the point of praying? By means of Jeremiah, God had said, after 70 years, I'll bring you back. That's God's plan. Well then, that's going to happen, right? Why did Daniel pray? Why did he utter such an intense prayer, full of broken sentences and deep cries? And then when you reflect on the contents of Daniel's prayer, there are more questions. Daniel prays for forgiveness, but surely the sins have been forgiven. Isn't that what the 70 years of exile were all about? Allow me another illustration from scripture. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, writes James, the blood brother of Jesus. And then he points to Elijah. He writes, Again Elijah prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced his crops. Remember when that happened? On Mount Carmel, the Baal priests had lost. Elijah had proved that Yahweh is king. Elijah tells King Ahab, It's going to rain soon. You better get going home. Ahab leaves. And then... Elijah gets on his knees and prays to God for rain seven times. Why did he pray to God to send rain when he had just said on behalf of God that rain was coming? That's a, these are tough questions. And in part, we don't have an answer to them. For there's a side to this we know as the mysterious interaction between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. But it's not as if we cannot understand it at all. We can make some sense of it. And that's what we want to do now. We reflect on this until we meet the line of mystery. The question is, what's the point of praying? Does it not contradict the doctrine of God's eternal providence? To answer that, here's another question that's kind of the same. This question, what's the point of preaching? What's the point of preaching? Does this not contradict the doctrine of God's eternal predestination and election? Those whom God has elected will be saved. Those whom God has not elected will not be saved. Why bother preaching? Well, I'm sure we know or can guess the answer to that one. Preaching is necessary because it is the means by which God brings people to faith. Scripture itself tells us that people come to faith by hearing the preaching of the gospel. You'll find it in Romans 10. We know that the election of God precedes the preaching. Romans 8 verse 30. Those whom he predestined, he also called. But the preaching is the means by which God has happened what his decree of election ordained. If you're predestined unto salvation, you will be called, and preaching is part of that calling. With the canons of Dort, we say it this way. 
so that men may be brought to faith, God merciful sends heralds of this most wonderful message to whom he will and when he wills. And a little later, that God in time confers the gift of faith on some and not on others, proceeds from his eternal decree. God executes his decree of election through the human activity of preaching. Is preaching contrary to God's decree of election? No, through preaching, God has happened what he has decided should happen. Now back to prayer. Is prayer contrary to God's decree of providence? The answer is no. Through prayer, God has happened what he has decided should happen. There are two sides to this. The one side is, if there's no prayer, nothing happens. Without preaching, one cannot come to faith. Without prayer, one cannot receive God's gifts. The other side is, if there is prayer, God's gift rain down upon us, just as where there is preaching, there will be conviction and faith. Do you understand why Daniel had to get down on his knees and pray? Do you understand why he sought forgiveness for Israel's sin? Why he asked God to keep his promise and set his people free? Can you sense why Elijah had to pray for rain to come? It is because prayer is the means by which God fulfills his promise. That's why. God is no Santa Claus to whom we present our wish list. God knows what we need. The point is, he wants to be asked. He wants to be recognized by us as the giver of all the good things. Augustine put it this way, prayers are the ladders via which God's blessing descend. Doesn't that catch it well? Prayers are the ladders by which God's blessings descend. So does God depend on prayer? If we don't pray, nothing happens. Let's go back to the analogy of preaching. Does God depend on preaching to work faith? Yes, he does. But he himself takes care that the gospel is preached where he wants it preached. Just think of how Paul ended up in Philippi. Does God depend on prayer to give his gifts? Yes, he does. But where blessings are to descend, God will make sure the ladders are in place. Maybe you feel pressure mounting on you in regards to prayer. If there is no prayer, there are no blessings. That's exactly what the Catechism says. God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit. Those are the blessings of God, only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. But who speaks a perfect prayer? Do we ask for what we need? Do I know what we need? Who can utter a perfect prayer? No one, just like I can't preach a perfect sermon. We cry two things. One is, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what the Catechism will help us learn, how to pray, how to pray properly, how to pray with the right perspective, how to pray for all things we need for body and soul. Lord, teach us to pray. That prayer has been heard. The other thing we cry is, Lord, sanctify our prayers. Just as we ask with respect to all the imperfect sermons we hear, use them to grow our faith, so we ask God to make our prayers acceptable to him. And God does. Romans 8 verse 26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And at this point, we come before the mystery of God's sovereignty and our activity. Going back to the analogy of election, preaching, and faith. Faith is a gift of God and an act of man. In Canons of Dort, chapter 3, 4, article 12, this is described, and on its heels follows Article 13, which begins with this line. In this life, believers cannot fully understand the way in which God does his work. 
The same is true for providence, prayer, and the receiving blessings. All we need, it comes through prayer and by God's providence. What makes something happen? Both. And in this life, believers cannot fully understand the way in which God does this work. Think of Daniel. God had said, after 70 years, I'll bring you back. Daniel prayed, Lord, 70 years are almost over. Forgive our sins and bring us back. And then God did. We cannot, we cannot understand the mechanics of God's providence and our prayer. That is a mystery. But this we know, and the Bible constantly reminds us of this. Only when God's people pray does God shower his blessings upon them. God does not give automatically. God only gives when we constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for his gifts and thank him for them. God wants to be asked. There's more to this. God not only wants to be asked, he enjoys being asked. For in asking, we express our dependence on God. It's like that between parents and children. As a parent, you know what your children need. You don't have to ask for their food. But when the child politely asks their parents for it, when they say thank you for what they receive, when they say, Mom, that was awesome food, it makes a parent feel good, right? Such asking and thanking is to the praise of a parent. That's how it is, it is with God. When we ask God for his gifts and thank him for it, it is to the praise of God. God even has this symbolized during the Old Covenant with the altar of incense. We sang of incense with Psalm 141. The altar of incense was the altar that stood between the holy place and the most holy place. For this altar marked the communication between the people and God, seated above the cherubim, found above the ark, incense. Incense smells really nice. It acts like an air freshener. It makes you feel good. During the hours of prayer, a priest would be at the altar of incense. Think of Zechariah in the temple. He was offering incense during the hour of prayer when an angel appeared to him to announce the coming birth of John the Baptist. God is even proud of our prayers. Think of Job. Of, of him, three things are mentioned in the Bible. His lifestyle, the blessings God gave him, and his prayer. Said God, Satan, have you taken note of Job? Our prayers praise God. When we pray, we say, Father. Therein we acknowledge our dependence on God and God's rule in our lives. We recognize that God calls the shots. Life is all about him, his glory, his kingdom, and his will. When our prayers are set in that framework, when every single petition we pray could end with, for your name's sake, then our prayers praise and glorifies God. God does not give automatically. God gives when he is asked and thanked. This is how God figured it should work. He has decided what we need. He has us ask for what we need. And so we ourselves realize and acknowledge we need it and can only get it from him. And then he gives us what we need. The problem is we ourselves don't know what we need. We do not know what we ought to pray for, we read in scriptures, Romans 8, verse 26. But our imperfect prayers are purified by the Spirit. And when spoken in faith, we will not be disappointed. For God is pleased to use our prayers as the ladders by which his blessings descend. You must pray. Prayer is not option for the Christian. God looks for communication with his children. In Christ, we have direct access to God's throne. Through the Spirit, our prayers are perfected. Prayer is a fruit of faith, the most important part of thankfulness. Prayer is the proof that we acknowledge God to govern our lives, and this will, 
and that his will is important to us, that his concerns are foremost in our lives, then we seek to praise him. Prayer is saying to God and to all who hear it, Lord, I am yours. I expect everything from you. I do everything for you, for you are great and good. Brothers and sisters, never stop praying. Amen.